and welcome to this week's episode of Square Mile of Murder. If you're in the UK and if you've been watching ITV or or STV for our fellow Scottish listeners, uh, you may have seen the trailers for the TV show Quiz, which is a dramatization of the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire major cheating scandal. Now, some of you, like us, will be old enough to remember when this first happened. But for all you young fetuses out there, and anyone else who isn't familiar with the case, in 2001, Charles Ingram, a former army major, along with fellow contestant Tequin Whittock, cheated their way to the show's top prize of £1 million. That's right, we have another fraud case this week. We do! Just, you know, a little bit of light fraud, just to get you through a lockdown. Nothing too heavy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think these are fun. Uh, and and this isn't just any old fraud case. It's another like really crazy out there fraud case, uh, and fittingly enough, one that involves a lot of coughing. So get ready for that. And you know, at least it's not the Corona brand coughing, which we're all so very worried about <laughs> at the moment. This is a different kind of coughing. So. I've just been shopping this morning and I have really bad hay fever, like I'm really allergic to pollen. So I'm walking up and down the supermarket aisles where they've got loads of like fresh flowers and everything uh, yeah. at the end of the aisle. And I'm like, don't cough, don't yeah. cough, don't cough. <laughs> Trying to like get away from the flowers as quickly as possible, which of course you can't do because everyone is like paced out throughout the supermarket. Yeah. I am. Um... Who knew? We... We went outside for a little while on sa- Saturday evening to um, Victoria Park and like played catch as our daily exercise. But ever since we went and did that, my throat has been killing me, and I think it's because of all the pollen. And so, uh, like, mm-hmm. I my voice is all fucked up and. And I keep coughing and have a sore throat. I'm just like, oh my god, someone's gonna come and mm. put me in further lockdown because I I sound like a plague monkey, but I promise I'm not. I just can't deal with pollen properly. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Uh, so back to fraud. Uh, so for those of you who have never seen an episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, have you even lived? Uh, the ba- <laughs> Uh, so the basic premise is that it's question and an- question and answer quiz show. Uh, you have to answer 15 questions correctly to win the top prize of a million pounds. The value of the questions increases with as you go on, and contestants have three lifelines: phone a friend, 50/50, and ask the audience. Each of which can only be used once. And there are two safety nets. So question five is worth a thousand pound. Question ten is worth thirty-two thousand. So say if a contestant gets question seven wrong, they can still walk away with a thousand pound or they get question 12 or 13 wrong. They still get the 32,000 and you can walk away with the money if you don't know the answer and don't want to risk it. Um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was my favorite show as a kid. Like, (laughs) yeah, we used to watch it all the time when like every night when it was on 
I I just loved it. The American version was hosted by Regis Philbin. The Rege. <laughs> I loved Rege. And, uh, and like, I don't know. It's funny because I grew up watching Jeopardy. And that is definitely, like, my favorite game show ever. But it was uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was kind of like a more accessible version of Jeopardy, I think, because you had multiple choice answers and so it's like you had a you had a 25 percent chance of being right so it was like even more fun to play along to take part in who wants to be a millionaire you have to audition and if you're successful you go on to be part of the fastest finger first round and cue immature giggling from 13 year olds around the world why is it fastest finger first like Surely fastest finger could have been enough. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It's confusing to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, 14 contestants in the studio battle to be the one in the hot seat uh, by winning this wonderfully named fastest finger first round. They just want to make it hard for me Try to say. Not when you're drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, they're asked to put four answers into some sort of order. For example, put these names in alphabetical order or put these events in chronological order. And the one who correctly answers the quickest goes on to play for a million pounds. The UK version was the original. And at its peak in 1999, it was one of the most popular television shows in the country, recording its highest viewing figure of 19 million people, which at the time was one third of the UK population. It's a lot. That is a lot of people watching the same show. Yeah, it is. Especially, like, if you think about TV now, where nobody watches the same thing at the same time anymore. No. I, since I've been back at my parents the last two weeks or so as first time i've watched like uh appointment viewing like everything everything else i watch on demand but i'm like oh we actually watch tv yeah according to what's on at a certain time yeah I, we were talking about it here the other day and i was like i used to know like the entire prime time week schedule when i was a teenager you know Grey's Anatomy Same. was on at this time and Bones is on at this and all this stuff and I couldn't tell you for a million pounds today when <laughs> what fucking shows are on the air because I don't watch any of them in sync with anything yeah in its 22 year history there have only been five contestants to win the top prize Wow. Uh, the format has been replicated across the world and the Indian version was even the basis for the 2008 film Slumdog Millionaire. And with that, let's get into the story of Charles Ingram. It's a good one. <laughs> Born in the Derbyshire village of Shardlow in the East Midlands on August 6, 1963, Charles Ingram... Uh, is the son of retired RAF wing commander John and theater set designer Susan. His parents divorced when he was young and he was privately educated at the Oswestry Boarding School in Shropshire, West Midlands, which is how we think you're supposed to say that, but it's a weird word, so we're not sure. I mean, Oswestry, there's not many ways you can really say that, I don't think. 
Oh, swestry. Oh, swest try. There we go. I was wrong. <laughs> there are many ways you can say it. Increasing in ridiculousness. Well, they, they have to increase in ridiculous. Otherwise, it's no fun. Um, at Oswestry, he was a member of the Combined Cadet Force, which is a youth organization sponsored by the Ministry of Defense and includes sections from the Royal Air Force, the Army, and the Royal Navy. Uh, after leaving school, Ingram went on to complete a bachelor's degree in civil engineering at Kingston University. And in 1986, he trained for the British Army at Sandhurst and was commissioned as an officer in the Royal Engineers. In 1990, he was promoted to the rank of captain and promoted again in 1995, this time to the rank of major. In 1998, he served in Bosnia and Herzegovina as part of a UN peacekeeping mission. And in 2000, he completed a master's in corporate management. So Busy guy. Pretty, pretty successful career yeah. through the 90s. You could think we'd all agree. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Ingram met his wife, Diana, when she was trained to be a teacher in South Wales. The two are married in 1989 and have three children together. Um, interestingly, both his wife, Diana, and her brother, Andy Pollock, competed on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?, before Ingram's infamous turn on the show, and each walked away with 32,000 pounds. In preparation for his own turn on the show, uh, Ingram built his own fastest finger first machine and spent at least 20 minutes a day practicing with it. I mean, that's dedication. Oh yeah, I could practice those fast fingers every for 20 minutes every day. <laughs> there's no way to say it without sounding No, there's not. dirty, is no. there? It's, no, it's not possible. It sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> on September 9th and 10th, 2001, Ingram was a contestant on the show, uh, which at the time typically recorded a few days in advance. And by the time shooting finished on the first day, he'd reached question seven, which was worth £4,000, and had used two of his lifelines. Uh, the host, Chris Tarrant, and other members of the production staff doubted he would advance much further when... Pr- production resumed the following day um however on the second day of filming ingram's luck seemed to have changed and he made his way to the top prize of one million pounds i mean that's a dream isn't it a couple of days on the telly win a cool meal <laughs> and everyone thinks you're brainy as fuck it's a pretty good deal if you ask me yeah what more do you want um but not everyone was convinced uh with Ingram's performance and questions soon uh, began to pop up about how a man who had struggled just to get to the 4,000 pound mark on the first day of filming suddenly just climbed his way all the way to the top on the second day with seemingly no issues. Um, And shortly after filming ended, Celador, the show's production company, cancelled the one million pound payout after they suspected ingram had cheated on the show suspicions were first raised by a sound technician who reported loud coughing coming from one of the waiting contestants which corresponded to the right answers uh, the technician then contacted Celador ceo paul smith and asked if they should cease filming but smith ordered the crew to carry on telling them that they would review the footage before editing 
and obviously before release. Uh, upon review, producers also noticed that Ingram seemed to move erratically between the four answers before finally settling on one. And, you know, it was only once a cough had been heard that he finally settled. But before that, he would just go from A, B, D, E, A, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you would just like read through them so quickly before finally settling once once a race answer had been coughed at. <laughs> uh, Salador accused Ingram and his wife of defrauding the show by enlisting an accomplice amongst the waiting contestants. Lecturer Tequin Whittock who would cough when Ingram read out a correct answer. That is a name. Tequin Whittock. It really is. Like, when I first read it, I was like, how the fuck do you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, not one you hear every day. No, definitely, definitely unique. Um, Mm. Ingram and Whittock allegedly met on the set of the show as... They were both fastest finger first contestants. And after Ingram's first day in the hot seat, the pair were accused of cooking up a scheme. Um, and the scheme seemed to be uh, if there was a question that Ingram was struggling with, he could read through the answers and Whittock would cough when he read out the correct answer. And after, they would split the proceeds. After reviewing the footage, Salador CEO Paul Smith spoke to the Ingrams, informing them of, quote, irregularities in which you participated, end quote. (laughs) I love that. Uh, And told them that they would not be airing the program or authorizing payment of the check. Ingram responded, stating, I completely refute that, obviously. It always amuses me when people, when cases like this are talked about, and it's always like, you know, the accused deny i deny this or i refute this and i'm like yeah well they're not going to turn around and admit it are they no yeah <laughs> <laughs> i deny this um, uncategorically well of course you do sir <laughs> when a contestant wins or walks away takes the money and walks uh, the host who was chris tarrant at the time i think is now jeremy clarkson oh yeah in an interesting turn of events uh, writes a check out there and then and as far as I can find that check is actually legally binding mm. so had Celadon not contacted the police and their bank the Ingrams could have just gone and cashed the check the next morning they clearly should have <laughs> <laughs> they should have run yeah. from the studio 24 uh, hour bank uh, <laughs> where are you at <laughs> as well as coughing when Ingram uh, read out the correct answer Whittock is also accused of, at one point, loudly whispering the word no, when on the second to last question, worth 500,000 pounds, Ingram almost went for the wrong answer. No. (laughs) I just, like, that's so dumb. No. Yeah, he's he's supposedly covered it with a cough, like, no. No. Oh no. my god. Smooth, guys. But it's still it's still not it's, a very good It's cover. not good. <laughs> Charles Ingram, his wife Diana, and accomplice Tequin Whittock were all charged with procuring the execution of a valuable security by deception. Which 
to all of us is known as fraud by deception. <laughs> to all of us who don't speak legalese. Uh, all three of them pled not guilty and the case went to court in the spring of 2003. Once the trial began, the prosecution also claimed that along with the coughing scandal, uh, the trio had also cheated on the first day using pages. Charles Ingram had a pager hidden upon his person and his wife and Whittock would text or ring however... I don't know how pages worked. Uh, I think you like called (laughs) it. That's slightly before our time. Yeah, uh, when the correct answer was read out, which would cause it to vibrate... And the pr- prosecution even produced Diana's phone records to back up their claims. <laughs> I love that. It's pretty smart, actually. Like, you know, mm. tape a pager to your ankle and... Problem is, I'd probably jump every time it went Yeah, off. no, I'd forget and it'd scare the hell out of me and I think that might <laughs> give you away. <laughs> So it turned out that the production crew weren't the only ones who picked up on the coughing coming from Whittock on the second day of filming. Uh, one of the witnesses called by the prosecution was Larry Whitehurst, uh, who is a fellow fastest finger first contestant. Now, you just wanted to make that hard for me, didn't you? Because you put fellow fastest finger first. <laughs> now, if you really wanted Oops. to do, it would be a Larry Whitehurst, a fellow fastest finger first friend. <laughs> Now you're just making it difficult for yourself. <laughs> um, Whitehurst stated that he'd been watching Wittick from across the studio after he heard coughing coming from his direction when the right answer was read out and suspected that he was involved in some kind of cheating scheme. Whitehurst also stated that he knew the correct answer to the £1 million question and he watched Wittick to see if he coughed when the right answer was read out. First... So he coughed first when host Chris Tarrant read it out and then again when Ingram read out his options. So twice coughed under the right answer. This guy Whitehurst and- should have just started coughing on all the wrong answers to try to <laughs> throw everyone off. I mean, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Just, just symphony just of coughing coughs. going on left, right and centre. <laughs> Somebody's unleashed a plague yeah, yeah. into the studio. Some sort of... This was 2001. What was around then? What, SARS? Was that around? Mm, not yet. <laughs> no, is that later? What amazes me, and I think oh. the reason that maybe I didn't hear about this is because it was September 9th and 10th of 2001. Yeah. So I have a feeling that yeah, I... the news of this didn't quite travel to the States as much (laughs) yeah because i mean if it was filmed on them two days it would still be a few days before it hit the press Mm -hmm. and when i was when i was doing the research because i remember it happening but i didn't remember that it was around the same time as 9-11 um but yeah it wasn't until i was doing the research and i was like ah Uh maybe it's not quite as well known outside the uk for that reason blah 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 blah. yes we're we're all coughing and answering (laughs) um host chris tarrant also took the stand at the trial and claimed he didn't hear any suspicious coughing and that after winning the ingrams acted like any other couple who had just won a million pounds 
Okay, so I'm not questioning Chris Tarrant's version of events, but I do wonder if, as an experienced TV presenter who's used to working in front of a live studio audience, he would have just learned how to tune all that stuff out over the years. You know, if you're focused on like the task in hand, it might not register what's going on in the audience. Yeah, I so, I totally believe that. And it's kind of like, yeah. I don't know. I remember when I would like be playing sports as a teenager and, you know, if my parents would come to a game or something afterwards, they'd be like, did you hear us like yelling your name? And I'd be like, I heard nothing of the sort. Like I just, you yeah. just kind of just, it goes by you. And when you're focused yeah, you're, on you're something just focused else, on... Yeah. yeah. Um, when Ingram took the stand, he appeared to throw his wife and Whittock under the bus. Uh, he claimed that he had been devastated to hear of Diana's calls to Whittock. He also stated that once the allegations had become public, his car had been vandalized and he had had cheat shouted at him in public. And that these events led to him having to take medication to cope. What a poor man. Uh, his commander from when he served in Bosnia and Herzegovina in 1998 appeared as a character witness at the trial and said that Charles was a, quote, was, quote, an officer of the utmost integrity and complete honesty, unquote. I don't really put too much stock in character witnesses because you're not going to have someone as a character witness unless they've only seen a good side of you and only have good things to say. Yeah. And in the army, he could have been an officer of the utmost integrity and honesty, but that doesn't speak to his character outside of military life. Yeah, exactly. Um, Diana Ingram was next to take the stand. She told the court that her phone calls to a pager were not to Wittick, but to a pager her brother owned. Diana claimed that her brother had quote disappeared owing to issues with his finances and bank and that he was using his pager to keep in contact with her one of her brothers marcus powell did attend the first day of recording where he was seen using his mobile phone around the studio three times and was told to stop by the production crew that is an interesting take yeah um if her brother was in such financial sort of in that kind of financial state it would probably be easy enough for investigators to check up by especially if the problem is with the bank Mm -hmm. by going to the to the brother's bank and being like hey were there issues around this time did you have problems contacting this person blah 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 mm-hmm. but well and also they could conceivably check uh the brother's like phone records and stuff to you know see yeah. who he's calling or whatever although pagers and <laughs> it's a different time yeah. <laughs> so finally Tequin Wittick took to the stand He claimed his coffin was caused by a combination of hay fever and dust allergies. And whilst I don't believe him, can this please be the year that we finally start to take hay fever seriously as a legitimate allergy? Amen. Because it's really pissing me off. (laughs) Okay. So as I said earlier, I am severely allergic to pollen. In some years, it's 
not so bad some years it's really severe depending on where i am and what crops have been grown in the area um but some years i like struggle to be outside from like easter to the end of harvest season because it's a real allergy and you're literally allergic to the air at this point yeah because it's every it's in everything Mm. and like if someone's allergic to nuts or shellfish or something like that, you wouldn't open a bag of peanuts or shrimp, like prawns or something, and just shove them in that person's face and be like, are you really allergic? No, you wouldn't because that's a fucking dick move. Someone did that to me once um, because they said that uh, you only get pollen allergies in the summer. Apparently your allergies have a little hibernation nap over winter. So they picked up a bunch of flowers shoved them in my face and i threw up all over them see the person not the flowers that'll i threw up all over their shoes that'll teach them (laughs) yeah they never questioned it again (laughs) also right when i was like 19 and an undergrad uh one day i was talking to one of the girls that i lived with and conversation got around to boys and flowers somehow don't ask don't remember um and i happened to mention that like no boy had ever bought me flowers which i never really thought was a big deal but apparently it's it's a big deal that no one's bought you flowers when you're 19 so anyway the the girl i was talking to she suddenly like jumped up and shot out of the room shouting that she'd be back soon and i was kind of used to her doing things like that she did have a very not like one track mind but she would suddenly like flights of fancy just jump up and go and do something else um and anyway, about 15, 20 minutes later, she comes back with this huge bouquet of flowers. And she's telling me she felt so sad because no boy had ever bought me flowers. So she'd bought some for me. And I'm like, <laughs> babes, if you'd let me finish, nobody's ever bought me flowers because I'm really allergic. So if someone buys me flowers, I hit them with them. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh, I see. But luckily they were mostly sunflowers and bamboo so sunflowers are my favorite flowers and i can actually have them in my room without dying because uh, they're not a particularly strong yeah. pollen scent yeah. um and then the others i gave back to her i was like yeah i can't breathe you keep these <laughs> take them please <laughs> so yeah hay fever it is real it is real even if we don't believe that this guy yeah <laughs> we don't believe this guy but it is a real allergy. Yeah. Please take it seriously and do not shove flowers in people's faces. No. It is rude. I, I mean, it's just, that's just kind of rude anyway. Like, don't, don't do that to people. Mm-hmm. Let's just not do that to people. Besides, you're all supposed to be two meters away from one another, so. Yeah, you'd have to have really good aim. Yeah. <laughs> you'd have to get like a nice tight spiral <laughs> on the flowers <laughs> and just like. <laughs> um. I feel like we've got enough track again. I, I feel like we have. <laughs> we have got enough track slightly. And it was my fault this week. <laughs> That's a change. Um, yeah, you had all the canoe stories last week. I've got all the allergies That's this week. true. <laughs> uh, right. So despite Wittix claims that he suffered from hay fever and dust allergies, his allergies seemed to sort of miraculously clear up once Ingram had won and uh, Wittick got his own shot in the hot seat. And he claimed that this was because he drank several glasses of water, which had soothed his throat. Still not buying it. No. 
So how is he suffering so badly with hay fever inside a studio? Because, you know, you'll have gone in through the main doors and there'll be like a rabbit's warren of corridors to get you to where the studio that you're actually filming in. So how is there so many allergens in the studio? Unless he was sitting next to someone with like really strong flowery perfume because that can do it as well. Well, I mean, and also like studio, television studios tend to be very particularly like temperature controlled and have like you know ventilation systems and all that stuff so it seems highly unlikely that someone just left a window open backstage and all this pollen is wafting directly onto this this guy's uh general location Mm. Wittick at one point claimed that it was merely coincidental that he coughed when the correct correct answers were read out and also that it was an involuntary reaction to hearing the right answers but it can't be both a coincidence (laughs) and an involuntary reaction can it i mean have i missed something there it can't be both i mean it it just doesn't seem likely certainly (laughs) Um, Wittick's doctor and a number of his friends all testified to him having had a persistent cough for many years and that drinking water did soothe his throat. His defense also put forward the argument that Ingram could not have agreed to a scheme as outlined by the prosecution because Wittick, Wittick would have been unreliable due to his cough. Despite the defense's arguments, on April 7th, 2003, all three defendants were found guilty of procuring the execution of a valuable security by deception my favorite now (laughs) i i can remember the words i can't remember what order they go in (laughs) (laughs) yeah what is your favorite crime um execution valuable deception security yeah that's the one The Ingrams were each sentenced to 18 months in jail and Tequan Wittek was sentenced to 12 months in jail. Uh, all three sentences were suspended for two years and they were fined a total of £52,500, including defence costs, although these were later reduced on appeal. Um, however, the guilty verdict was not without its own controversies. In the years since the trial... Uh, Many different experts and commentators have come up with their own theories as to what really happened and claim that the three defendants are in fact innocent. Uh, One of these comes from journalist John Ronson, who I always want to call Ron Johnson. (laughs) It's, It's a strange one. Uh, He attended the trial and covered the case for the Guardian newspaper. And he stated that when coughing was mentioned in court, members of the jury and public gallery all began to cough. And he points to this as an example of being like subconsciously triggered into coughing rather than coughing on purpose. But my issue with this is that when it happened uh, in the studio, uh, when this happened in court, they were triggered by the word cough, whereas in the studio... No one was talking about coughing, so what's the trigger there? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that only works if, say, you could make the argument that, like, um, what's his name? Ingram approached Wittick and was like, listen, here's my plan. 
I'm going to go up and try to answer these questions. But if I get stuck, you cough when I read out the right answer. And Wittick was like, no, I don't want to do that. But then subconsciously started doing it anyway. But that seems very unlikely. Yeah. I'd I'd never thought of that. So, yeah. But again, that that's unlikely because yeah. if if you were in that situation, you'd be doing everything in your power to not cough. Well, and also if he if he was approached and said no and then wasn't involved, he'd fucking tell the producers because it means he's one step closer to getting, you know, yeah. his chance at winning the money and getting this guy thrown out of the studio. Mm. Is this true? So. True. We disagree. John Ronson, Ron Johnson, John Johnson, Ron Ronson. Now, another theory comes from a previous contestant of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, James Plaskett, who had sat in the same fastest finger first seat as Wittick. Um, <laughs> rather than the coughing, he addresses the claims that Wittick loudly whispered no when Ingram almost went for the wrong answer. He said that it wasn't unknown for contestants to audibly say words such as no when they knew the answers and the contestant in the hot seat was about to go for the wrong answer and that this was what was happening in Wittick's case. I I can see where he's coming mm-hmm. from uh, because the contest, the fastest fingering contestants <laughs> did sit in a semicircle and they did talk to who was that next to mm-hmm. them. Or whisper and, you know, during filming. Because they don't have mics on or anything. So it's not going to pick much up, really. So that I can understand. But coughing at the right answers. Yeah, that's different. Still. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah, I still think there was there was something going on with the coughing. Even if you can argue away the whole stage whisper no exactly um as being like an involuntary action like no (laughs) well and also like if that were true if this james plaskett's uh theory were true then surely wittick would have included it in his testimony and been like no here's what happened it was all just, you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was just uh, idle chatter between maybe, us. Maybe you should have done. I know, right? <laughs> Following the trial, although his sentence was suspended, Charles Ingram was forced to resign from his role as a major in the British Army. And the case became known as the major fraud or the major cheat because of his rank <laughs> in the army. Which I really love. Which I just think is yeah. funny. <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize at first that I just thought it was like a really big deal fraud but cuz it was a major fraud but no in fact <laughs> it was something else entirely yeah well it works yeah, both ways it's, it's, it was a, it wasn't anytime anyone cheats on like a a massive national scale technically show yeah it's it's a major <laughs> scandal so works both ways Uh, i like it it's very fitting um (laughs) uh, now this was not the last we would hear of the ingrams because just six months later in october 2003 charles ingram was found guilty at bournemouth crown court of obtaining a pecuniary 
advantage by deception. Oh boy, here's another one. Um, and of a second charge of deception, having attempted to claim on an insurance policy after an alleged burglary at his home. And for those of you uh, who, like us, don't know what pecuniary advantage might mean, uh, it means a financial advantage. See, just just see how kind we are. We Google these words and make ourselves sound uneducated so you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, we've done the legwork for you. Yeah. Um, so that, all those long words basically mean <laughs> Ingram had failed to tell his current insurance provider, Direct Line, about claims he had made in the years before he took out a policy in, in July 2001. The court was told that Ingram had become a quote-unquote habitual claimant with his previous provider, uh, Norwich Union, after suffering unfortunate losses of private possessions. Uh, Ingram ended up making fraudulent claims worth a total of £30,000. His providers were suspicious but had given him the benefit of the doubt until they read about his performance on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and decided to investigate further. And like we said uh, when we talked about uh, John Darwin, the canoe man, insurance companies have endless resources to investigate you if they think you're trying to defraud yeah. them. Police are very police are very limited in resources and funding and stuff, but insurance companies are not. Yeah, so they'll 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 find you out, buddy. Uh so after being found guilty, he was given a conditional discharge. The judge said he took into account, quote, the punishment you have brought upon yourself and your dire financial state. Which is Really, I just love that. <laughs> it's your own fault. I mean, that that's a very sassy judge. Yeah, it really, you know. really is. Yeah, you brought it upon yourself by being a dick with your money. <laughs> uh, since the scandal, Ingram has appeared on a number of celebrity edition of television shows, including The Game, Weakest Link, and Wife's Oh, no. And he's also written two, two books called The Network and Deep Siege, both of which received mixed reviews. <laughs> um, can we just talk for a moment? Now, I don't know if you know this, but do you know if the when he appeared on The Weakest Link, what's her name? Anne was still hosting? Uh, Anne Robinson. Yeah. I'm not sure, to be honest. Oh, because I would just, I would pay a million pounds to see her <laughs> rip this guy apart. <laughs> Yeah, I I honestly don't know, but he appeared on Weakest Link. It was like a couples, celebrity couples edition, uh-huh. and he appeared on it with Diana. <laughs> so, yeah, we need to hunt around on YouTube and see if we can yes. dig out. I I <laughs> dig out these clips. I have to say, we need, we need to see. It. I love The Weakest Link so much. I always loved that show. I haven't watched it since i was a kid yeah um but yeah she was always like so sassy i just love like i just love how you know she dresses down all of these people who think they're so smart and it's just like why didn't you bank anything you morons (laughs) so yeah that is the (laughs) case 
of the major cheat thank you for listening and uh come tell us what you think in our facebook group square mile of murder the podcast uh or you can find us on instagram at square mile of murder you can also should you feel inclined support the show by joining our patreon uh, head to www.patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder for more information and you can sign up to it for as little as one dollar a month uh which is about 81p so it's cheaper than a can of iron brew and the economy is bad so it's cheaper than it was last week <laughs> or you can head to our website squaremileofmurder.com where you can find other ways to support the show without costing you a penny or a cent yeah uh thank you for listening thanks bye, bye.